0: This podcast is supported by Blue Mountain Community College. For over 60 years, BMCC has been committed to educational programs and services that promote personal and professional growth and strengthen our local communities. If you're looking for higher learning opportunities that don't cost a fortune, check out their technical certificates, college transfer degrees, workforce development programs, and much more. To learn more, check out bluecc.edu or stop in at one of their many facilities throughout Eastern Oregon. Thanks again for listening.
1: Hi! 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 hi.
0: <laughs> All right, so checking into the studio here, Chat PDT. Um, I'm Ryan Smith. Across from me, we've got our buddy Blake Franklin. To my right, Shannon Hartley, and special guest that is going to be drawing on the whiteboard and playing with some goodies is my man Callum. So, um, who's Callum? Huh? Who's Callum? <laughs> Callum is my youngest son. Do You want to say hello real quick before we get rolling, buddy? <laughs> 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 All right, so we, uh, we kicked around some good, fun-filled topics today. I'm going to tee it off to Blake to get us running um, with what we've got today.
2: Yeah, one of the things we thought we'd talk about would be um, tradition. Uh, you know, we're in the midst of the holiday season, kicking off the holidays, and wanted to talk about how traditions can really dictate how much you savor those moments or look forward to them. Um, You know, Thursday was Thanksgiving this week, and we played a little bit of football, Turkey Bowl. Um, And that was just a really fun way to get a bunch of guys together together play something. And, and there was a lot of like, oh, we should do that next year. Um, and when we have those things to look forward to in each and every season, it really makes you stop, slow down. And it's not like Thanksgiving or Christmas just goes by in a flash, but you you cherish those things more. And so I guess, what is your guys, um, do you have any traditions and what do you see as the value in tradition um, as we go through these seasons?
0: Well, I was bummed I missed on the Turkey Bowl this season, but um, it kind of made me think of the ultimate Frisbee that you threw together a couple months back. It was right around... That's 4th of July. Was it, oh my gosh, it's been that long? Yeah, it's been a minute. <laughs> yeah, but no, I think um, especially later in life, it's hard to um, get big groups of people together and do that kind of stuff. So I was excited to see that you did that. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing what Shannon's take was on getting together for the Turkey Bowl. Um, but yeah, family traditions, well, not just family we went uh, duck hunting that morning, got together with a couple relatives and did that. So <clears> that was a lot of fun. I wouldn't say it's always a Thanksgiving tradition, but one that we just try to, to get to do together as a family. Um, some quality time, some early mornings outside. And now I'm sitting on a couple ducks that I'm going to try to do some kind of roast for dinner with tonight. Looking forward to that. Nice. But, yeah.
1: Roasted duck. He- Hopefully yeah, that doesn't happen this week at the Pac 12 Championship. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm going to. Yeah. Are you going, going to the your, game?
0: I'm going to the game. Nice. That's we don't have to talk about that right now. <laughs> um but go ahead, Shannon. Traditions. <laughs> um yeah, I mean my family didn't really have too many traditions other
1: like outside of just getting together with family and um for Thanksgiving we we were never the family that hosted we were always the family that like went to my cousins and my aunt my aunt's house um and uh since i've been married we've always gone to uh like my wife's sister's place uh um and we've so i feel like we're just at the point where we're starting to Try and create some of our own traditions since we just bought our first home and we really like we're back in our hometown and we're kind of setting down roots and we want to create a lot of those traditions because both of us really, you know, believe strongly in having like strong tra- traditions and memories that, you know, our children can look back on and memories that we can cherish. Um, and so that's why... I, I sent in our, our text thread after football I was like, let's do this again next year. Cause I would love for that to be a tradition because I had so much fun. Um and I was I'm still sore today, by the <laughs> way. <laughs> like this is like four three days later, right? Yeah, three or four yeah, three or four days this later. This is like some
2: nine on nine people were people were trying, man.
1: Yeah, I really wish we would have been tackling. But <laughs> I'm
2: sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. did you do two hand touch? That two was my touch. question. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah, I was a little bummed about that. But honestly, bummed about
2: that. It would be. There's
1: so many people. There were so many people in the field that it would be like chaos. It looked with. like a freaking mosh
2: pit out there, man. Yeah,
1: it was. It was pretty <laughs> wild. We, if we have that many people next year, maybe we do like three teams and like rotate one out oh that'd be good that was a lot of people
0: and we we were only doing half field we didn't even do full field mm -hmm. Uh, so my one thought about like tackle football pickup game especially if you haven't been doing it all Is like man go to explain that to your boss while you're limping around and can't get your job done (laughs) yeah right
1: (laughs) no but like my quads
2: and and my hammies toasted dude i just don't use them that way yeah. I, did you say you were sore too i i'm someone that rec- regular exercises and even i was sore i saw mark Golter in the park yesterday and i was like how, how are you doing he's like oh yeah man my hips right here yeah. i think um i was pretty fine with my quads my hamstrings my hips hurt i think from like the cutting and rotation movement yeah. that i don't typically do um but yeah definitely different yeah just so very, fun
1: very different mov- movements that that we normally do and like trying i pretty much never in my life right now (laughs) go zero to a hundred like and just try and use those like fast twitch fibers uh and yeah man it was a lot of fun, but definitely sore. Like yeah, I was right. actually even more sore like the second and third day than For it was sure. right at, the day after.
2: For context, Ryan, we uh, so we I invited some local friends and then a bunch of the boys that were in Young Life with me. Um, mm. So they're all graduated seniors, freshmen in college type age, and we played young guys versus old guys. So it was like all <laughs> these guys in their thirties versus all these like nineteen year olds, and yeah, old guys dominated. The first game no. we did, yeah, the first game we won by, like, four touchdowns, and then we played a sudden death game to four, and they beat us in that one. But yeah, we, uh... But Shannon, it was close. Shannon is a legit baller, dude. The guy's got hands. He's
0: making plays, uh, huh? He,
2: uh, right. I was impressed. I even told Evan Nodry later that day, I was like, you know... I wasn't quite sure. Like, Shannon was kind of talking some smack in our text thread, and I was like, I, I don't know if Shannon's still got his athleticism. And then I was like, dang, this guy's got hands. <laughs> the water boy memes were thrown around. It was,
1: yeah, it was on. I have the beard, so everyone was calling me Travis Kelsey.
0: <laughs> Are you serious? I was like, I got to get Taylor here. Oh, get Taylor Swift. I uh, uh, like. No, uh,
1: I would say the same about you. I was like pleasantly surprised uh, how you've had a lot of catches over the middle. Well, it's very impressive.
2: Thanks. I also dropped a few. Um. Yeah. But <laughs> so did I though. Yeah, yeah. But back to the tradition thing. You know what I think of with that? I listened to a podcast at one point, and I've I've brought this up once before. But you know, as your kids get older, as as you start to get more and more things going on, I want to give people something to look forward to. You know, I'm um, like, oh yeah, that's that's what we do on Thanksgiving, or when you your kids move away, like oh I want to go home because we get to do this on Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever. And then as we enter this, we're coming upon Christmas season. I guess my hope is you know if you set aside time to like oh yeah we go ice skating one night or we bake cookies and decorate them one night it forces you to like slow down and have some like milestones not just everything from thanksgiving to christmas was a blur you know yeah Um, but some things that break it apart and and that you are more intentional with your time with other people and i think that's valuable
0: something you that i thought of as you're describing that is that you do like uh it's kind of like setting aside time for yourself to work out or those obligations that you can't miss. Cause you, you know, it's like, Oh, we have to do this. I think there's a good mix of like maybe leaving room for new things to get picked up. Like the pickup football sounds like is potentially a new tradition that space was made for. That's great. But also, yeah, like you said to say, mark your calendars. Cause on this date, we're going to go do this thing. And I guess one that comes to mind for me is going and getting the Christmas tree. Mm. Um, we broke off the Schneid last year, for the first time in several years and actually went and got a tree up in the mountains, which, you know, you take the kids, you go sled, take the jet boils and have hot chocolate make a whole day of it. And that was, it's a fun way to get up in the mountains and and make that kind of stuff happen. So that's one of several, um, the Christmas lights, I guess that's another one. We, we got that done on black Friday. The kids were actually super helpful, which is awesome. Callum here, trooped it out outside in the cold for like three hours waiting for the the blow-up penguin of his to get put up in the yard and that's the very last piece but he he saw it through to the finish on that so
2: nice
0: yeah but yeah no the traditions are good it's a good like you said something you get to look forward to that's kind of predictable you know is going to happen um and then you just don't know the impact of some of those with your friends or your kids or whoever it is that Mm -hmm. you know might seem like a menial thing to dedicate a couple hours to make cookies or something, but that might be the thing that they cling to in their college years or whenever that they uh, carry forward as their own traditions or that they really look forward to coming back home to do. So, yeah.
2: Yeah, I guess my second topic, and I'll just kind of segue, is you know we just like we teach traditions to our kids and our friends, we also teach we also teach values, and um, something I guess I've been thinking about a lot today specifically is um, your values and where do your values come from? What do you let dictate your values? You know, are your values um, at the whims of society and what social media says, or are your values purely what your parents taught you? Um, and I guess what do you guys use as your compass for determining? your values in life and, and what you're gonna compromise on or change versus remain steadfast in
1: yeah well for me um, it's changed throughout my life um, you know <laughs> up until I was in college um, I would say like I definitely just kind of let like the world like um, take up most of my life and decide like you know what I believed in my values and and, uh, all of that. And <clears throat> that was when I, uh, when I was in college is when I became uh, a Christian, kind of gotten into my faith. And so I would say my values like completely switched ever since that point. And that's definitely what dictates my, my values now is, is my faith. Um, but I'm always trying to learn and grow. I mean, there's always room to, you know, have new thoughts about things and, 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 and change. And, um, but always having just kind of a foundation with, you know, with faith is is the big one for me, and it gave me a lot of grounding in my life, rather than um, just going with the whims of the world. And um, so, yeah, that's that's where where my values lie, is I guess, you know, from my faith mostly.
0: It makes me think of like uh, sort of in the same vein, trying to put it to words, but basically the question of what do you what do you um, subject yourself to that you consume and how does that absorb into you? Mm. Um, you know what I mean? Whether it's, it sounds trivial, but like the, a lot of music on the radio, it's like, mm-hmm. do you agree with the, the messaging and the things that are being said and the intentions behind you know that's so good I had so many of those struggles like yeah. becoming a
1: Christian like sure what can I not listen to what can I listen to and it's like it doesn't really come down to that it's like and it's it, a I hard, mean you got to draw your thing. own
0: boundaries as far as like okay I can I can listen this to this and I can watch this but I'm not going to carry this with me or absorb this but what effect does that have on you to to watch things that are dark and violent or to consume things that are not in line with your values you know um like uh, there's plenty of stuff that you could make the case. Well, I would hear that said or I would watch that. That doesn't mean I would do that myself. But it's like um, where where is that boundary there with values and what you choose? To, I guess that's where I'm going with your questions. like what do you choose to bring in and what kind of effect does that have
2: on you, Blake? It's a good question. I like the term absorb, too. You know, yeah. like when you, like Shannon just said, there's no inherently, like, good or bad Christian versus secular music. But, yeah, if you're listening to WAP all the time, you know, and then <laughs> that's, like, the the values that you uphold, that's not that's not ideal. And I listen to, like, some of the music, like, my sister listens to, for example, and it's, like, this is just degrading, like, what they're talking about, you know? And is it, like, is that just a good beat or is, is this subconsciously an aspiration that people have. You know, if, if you've got some guy that's singing a song about having sex with hot chicks and you're like, oh, it's just a good beat, but it's like, is that actually the truth or is this like subconsciously something you're desiring right now? Despite what you maybe say, you know, maybe I say I have Christian mm-hmm. values, but I've got these other desires. And, yeah. and at the end of the day, am I letting society determine my value or am I strong enough conviction in my actual values to hold steadfast in those?
0: Mm-hmm. And what's the difference between how you think and how you act? It's mm-hmm. Open question. I'm really asking you guys, you know, you could, could you say that um, your actions are the, 100% the reflection of your beliefs and your values, or is it the things that you think about does that have an effect as well you know
2: yeah well, I th- that's a great question i think long term how you think determines how you act i think in the moment it's okay to have impure thoughts i think everyone does um however you want to define impure thoughts but i think if triggers you know you mentioned like shows or songs or whatever you know if you watch shows that let's just say you know portray um, a lot of sexual material well you're probably thinking more about sexual material therefore your actions are going to align more with sexual material um and so I think removing those negative triggers, if that's something you struggle with in your life, is important if you want to uphold the values because what you do in, in your free time, your secrecy is also going to come out in the light in, in how you act. Um, I don't think it's it's impossible to not like notice a pretty woman. Mm-hmm. But does it, I notice a pretty woman and I move on? Or is it I notice a pretty woman and I look at that pretty woman a little longer and maybe I start to fantasize about that pretty woman? you know? And, and wherever you're letting your mind go, Eventually your actions are gonna follow. Because if that's what you think about all the time, when when an opportunity like that comes across your plate in life, you might say that's not something you do, but you've already planted those seeds in your mind. Yeah. You know, and so I do think where you let your mind go dictates a lot of your ultimate outcome. In the moment, it might not look like that. You might say exactly that It's like, Oh, I can I can think about, you know, well, like I've
0: heard it on a similar vein. Oh, um, you know, like, Grand Theft Auto was, like, highly controversial for us growing up. and for, GTA. If you, anybody who knows anything about video games knows it's, like, an incredibly violent, pretty open <laughs> to do, like, a tremendous number of dark things. And it's, like, well, I, c- I can play that, but I'm not going to go steal a car and run people over and do this and that. And it's, like, of course you're pro- – most people probably are not, but does that mean that it has zero effect on your mindset? Is it not desensitizing mm-hmm. at all? Yeah. I guess that's yeah. another thing is just desensitizing, like – Trauma and violence and mm-hmm. yeah, and hate, yeah, what do you think about well, it? You an, somethings- an excuse that I've used
1: um, you know is uh, like I come from a background where like these things were normal for me, so like I'm not triggered by them, even though so it's, it's like a fine line between knowing yourself and like like for for me and my faith and like where my where my values are with my faith and what I believe is right and wrong um because it's like, you know, n- yeah, nudity on a, on a show or something where it's like, I feel like there are some men who they might see something and they like, yeah, they, it's it's more of like an addiction. Like they need to it. To
2: trigger for porn or for whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Where
1: it's like, you know, I don't think, I don't feel like it bothers me that much in the, to just like move on from seeing something and mm-hmm. then keep, it, it's an interesting conversation though, um, because... I also wouldn't necessarily say it's good for me to see that, Mm -hmm. but I also wouldn't say that I'm like triggered by it, Mm -hmm. and like I need to take some type of action on it. Yeah. You know.
2: Well, and are you intentionally seeking it out? Like, is it just I was watching a show and that came across, or was I looking for a show where I might get to see that? Exactly,
1: and that's what I'm saying. You you have to know
0: your yourself and your Mm -hmm. boundaries, and like, how does like? Well, also another thing, I don't even know if you're really mindfully thinking about your goals or intentions, but it's like we've talked about. I really, I really like war movies (laughs) and it's not because I have the intention of, of killing people or that I think there's anything good or glamorous about war, but I think there's also another, uh, discussion to be had about just like knowing and understanding the workings of the world, whether or not they're all pretty and, um, informing yourself about, you know, Good things, bad things, darkness, all that stuff. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's hard to... <clears throat> maybe I'm just justifying my appreciation for like dark films, but I think that...
1: You just love and want war, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> absolutely not.
0: It's like anybody who um, has seen that kind of stuff, you're like, boy, nobody would want that for the world. There's no benefit for anybody to have those kinds of situations. But, um, but I don't know. Maybe being a curious... Like, we're curious minds, too, and that's something that we need to talk about here too is just like our, our curiosity and how to maybe how to set the boundaries of like too curious to, because there are probably certainly like things that go too far that maybe we know exist, but we don't have to like see and take in and absorb for ourselves. And yeah, that's, I think this is a bit of a twist, but it's like my heart goes out to a lot of healthcare professionals and like DHS workers and the people that it's like, it's one thing to know about some of the challenges of family dynamics and um, violence and drug abuse and whatever, whatever kind of dark things you want to talk about. It's like, it's totally one thing to know those exist, but it's another to have to be directly involved in acting see to them. try to yeah, see that firsthand and act within that world. And I just, I'm amazed at how people in, in a lot of those fields can clock in and clock out and continue to, to go about their lives. Um, yeah, I think that feeds yeah. into
2: what Shannon was saying about like know yourself too. You know, you use the example of a TV show, but like if you're someone that has a heart for helping others and you're a DHS worker and, and you can go and you can be in that situation and you can help someone, then you can come back home and still love your family and not be impacted and triggered by it. That's a gift, you know? Like I am so grateful there's people that can do that. If you're in that situation and you realize like this is making me short at home, this is causing me to treat my family different, then maybe you need to get out of that line of work, you know? Yeah. Like Um, I
1: could never run a daycare. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That'd be hard. That's like my hell. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I don't know how much of that can be groomed into you and how much like certain personality types are just not a good fit for some things. I think some things you can be acclimated to. I I remember Carly was like uh, deathly afraid of vomit. And it was like she had straight, you know, almost panic attack, like, totally gets irrational and crazy when if she's around vomit and over time and exposure, she has gotten much better at that, which I think she had to, to be in the the nursing field. So that's an example of, I think like being able to get acclimated and tolerate stuff, but I don't know if there's still a point of too far with certain work environments. That's like, I think about like correctional officers and I think, um, tough job. Oh, tough job. Like for so many reasons, I think, um, it would be really hard to, to not carry that with you at the end of the day and throughout your life, just to know and see and live in some of the situations there. Yeah. But,
1: yeah. My brother did that for a little bit and he was actually, he essentially got fired cause he was too nice. <laughs>
2: oh, really? <laughs> my uncle was a, a prison guard for like six months and he just said it just, I, I mean, just changed him, ruined him as a person. He said he couldn't do it. it just wasn't for him. You know, Yeah. other yeah. guys make a a career out of it. And, and I think there is a, maybe a mold or a prototype that seems to fit well in that. You know, you've got to be somewhat guarded stoic. stoic. Yeah. That personality type seems to thrive there. But if you're Mr. Nice guy, I want to make friends with everybody. You're probably not going to do as well in, in a prison guard scenario. And so again, know thyself, right? Yeah. yeah
1: I'm actually really glad my brother got fired because he's like the nicest pushover of all time.
0: Oh, that would <laughs> so, be hard. That, it was not a good fit. Yeah. So. I've had some relatives that <laughs> did that in my, My grandpa, I think, was a good fit for it. He was a carpenter, and as a CO, he uh, ran whatever, like, a work crew for carpentry stuff. And so, and he is, like, the ultimate hard ass, and so I think he's got a soft heart of gold, but was able to, like, be stern and and gruff enough to, Um, yeah. So this
1: question just popped in my head while we are
0: talking about some of this stuff,
1: because we're kind of riding on the edge of addiction a little bit, do you think that there, does everyone have some type of addiction?
2: I would say yes. I'd say everyone everyone has an outlet or a thing that they're gonna feed into. It's just, A, what do you choose to put your, what do you choose to use as your addiction or your coping mechanism? Yeah. And B, how extreme do you let it get? Yeah. I don't know, what is your your thought, Shmitty?
0: I I've made the joke and Please no, I'm joking when I say this, but Shannon's heard me say this before too. Hang on, um, I've made the joke that like, if you if you know somebody, and you know them well enough uh, that you see whatever they're uh, basically the long story short, I think show me somebody who has no vices, no hang-ups, nothing that's like sets them back at all, and that's a serial killer. <laughs> <laughs> like. It's either a serial killer or Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, and I i mean, obviously, I'm joking when I say that, but it's just like I, I hold the view that everybody has a hang-up of some kind that's not productive in some way or another. Um, that's
2: just one of the biggest human challenges, I believe. But Well, and I think, you know, if you look at it purely from an objective standpoint, everyone has 24 hours in a day, right? You only sleep so much. You only eat so much. And, and so we all have to find another means to occupy our day. <clears throat> and so you're gonna find something that you gravitate towards. And, and when does that cross from interest to addiction? I think is it's a the dose makes the poison type of thing. You know, like I would say, my things that I can borderline on addiction with are probably exercise. You know, my health and fitness, yeah. And then monitoring like my finances and things of that nature. And um, there was a time in my life when I was in college where it was pretty much like my entire day was dictated around like this: is when I'm gonna go to the gym, this is when I'm gonna eat, et cetera. And, and my friend had made a point at one point. He goes, you know. I would really hope you get to a point where exercise fits into your life, not your life fits into your exercise program. And, and so I had to like take what is this seemingly healthy thing, you know, exercising and figure out how do I make this more sustainable? So I have time for relationships and and other facets of your life. And so, um, whether it's an addiction to a single thing, an addiction to novelty, an addiction to avoidance, um, I think everyone has addictions in different ways. It's just do you have enough guardrails, people that you trust, meaningful things in your life to keep those in check so they don't become toxic?
0: Yeah, and I like the the point that you raise because we th- say the word addiction, and you obviously think you know drugs, alcohol, something negative, whatever, like cigarettes or something. but um i I also hold the view that just like you said, anything can become an addiction, um, food, your phone. You know, video games, but like you said, even health and fitness to the point that um, if it if it's all you constantly think about or if it robs you of your ability to um, meet social obligations or whatever whatever we think is too far, it's like, I don't know, may, maybe you have to see it to really uh, identify it as too far and not serving you positively.
2: But I think that yeah, just about anything can become a hang-up. I think this goes into the piece of having trusted counsel in your life, too, because uh, I'm going to stay on the exercise example. There's a point where exercise, you know, in my life, for example, or in a lot of people's lives, it becomes an addiction. You're you're pouring yourself into this. You're obsessed with your body. You're obsessed with your food. And it's robbing you of other things in life. But then you can take the pendulum all the way to the other direction of like, oh, I need to be here with my family. I need to, you know, do all these other things. And now I just don't exercise anymore at all. And it's like, how do you have people that are willing to check you when you have taken it too far but also are willing to check you when you've fallen off the the wagon of what's important to you you know mm-hmm. and and I don't think when we're in our own tunnel vision reality we can always see that so you have to have people that love you or are honest with you and and are involved in your life enough to give you that feedback that's really good so no. just
1: think, I'm, I'm just like running through thoughts in my head while thinking about addiction and like thinking about almost like levels of addiction like obviously there's some Levels of addiction that are like really bad, you have to completely stay away from. And then there's some types of addi- addiction that are good things, but maybe you need to scale them back. And um, just the difference in those, like, yeah, because oh, you, you could say, oh, yeah, listen, I, I have addiction to working out, but you know, that's a lot different than having an addiction to so methamphetamines, or For you sure. know. Yeah. So it's like those two things are different, but yeah, somewhat the
0: same. Well, before. and how much? Yeah. That's a good question is how much is too much or when does it become an addiction? Because I think about this myself. It's like um, I wouldn't consider myself somebody who drinks too much to where it like really affects my life. But maybe you could make the case that any drinking is too much drinking because it's not good for you. You know, like where do you where do you land in what is a healthy balance and how does it serve you? And I think
1: I saw I heard something one time when I was in college and I don't know who was uh, who had this data. But they said, like, if you have more than one drink a week, then you're technically you're an alcoholic. Or whatever. Yeah, you're, like, a binge drinker. Yeah.
2: I don't remember the exact statistics, but it's mind-blowing what they consider binge drinking. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I would say, Ryan, with your question, you know, it, I think you ask yourself, what value does this thing bring me? You know, does me having a drink or two, is it something I do socially with my friends and this isn't a chance to engage in, in social, you know, well-being? Or is this something I do to cope because I dislike my job at the end of the day? You know, and... Um, not only does the dose make the poison, but what's the what's the uh, drive for doing this thing? And if that's a negative, then maybe this is something I need to cut out, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, and that's probably the the hardest time to make a change is when um, it's... If, if you feel like it's getting you through something else that's challenging or whatever else that might be, or it's an escape from mm-hmm. circumstances that are not serving you well, or relationship... I don't know, I'm just trying to think of examples. Maybe a relationship that... Um, is, is not healthy and it's a way to unplug from that. I think it, when I think about what we're talking about is addiction, it just makes me think, um, like we, I think it's a basic human instinct to try to like disconnect or disengage or like change your mindset into a different state, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what a lot of this is, is either an escape from or a new perspective on things is what those addictions serve with for us, but
2: yeah. Do you guys feel like you have any, um, self-identified or easily identifiable, like things that you might border on the line of addicted to or struggled with?
1: (laughs) Definitely food. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, In terms of quantity of food or, okay. Like I really struggle with, um, yeah, just like I have to always eat a lot. I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to think of other things, though. Ryan, do you have anything?
0: I think food, too, for me is definitely one. Like, uh, My circumstances change my appetite sometimes. It feels like good or bad, you know, and that's something I wrestle with. Um, And it doesn't, I mean, it's definitely on me, but we have, like, a wonderful cook at home and always, Mm -hmm. like, a plethora of great um, options to eat, which is wonderful. It comes down to yourself and your own discipline, though, and I think... Yeah, I've definitely seen circumstances in my life where my lifestyle or my stress levels or whatever else um, influence like how much I'm eating and and what I'm eating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that's that's definitely something (coughs) that I've had to um, try to keep my finger on, especially in the later years where you, uh, you know, high school, it seems like you could go eat Taco Bell at 10 o'clock and wake up and run a marathon the next day, you know, but yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, and I don't know if it's a something that's passed down a hereditary thing or what but i mean uh you know my my dad and my brother they're both 300 plus people and they eat and eat like and i have that same thing somehow i got you know i got blessed with genes that gave me an athletic body and but i that's always still been a big worry of mine Mm -hmm. is that like I'm gonna eat myself to being a bigger person.
2: You're probably slightly more mindful of it just because of that, you know. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I. Um, uh, I maybe have said this before. I. So I come from my dad's family is all larger, and that's kind of what spurred my health and fitness. But have I ever mentioned we were on the cruise? The really heavy guy. I'm gonna say it anyways because not everyone listens. I think, I think you probably have. Um. But I eat. I eat large quantities i also am very active i take like twenty thousand steps a day you know i weight train most days of the week um have a fairly normal sized body but when we were on our cruise in alaska cruises are like just buffets you know all you can eat all the time when people are bored what do they do they go eat there's a lot of easing that takes places on cruises and so me and your brother-in-law evan were sitting at a table eating one day and this like large like four or five hundred pound man comes by and he's got like these two plates just piled with food. And I looked at Evan and I said, I bet you it out, eat that guy. And he <laughs> looks at me and he goes, dude, if you didn't exercise all the time, you'd be that guy. <laughs> you make a good point, which
0: is that um, I almost wonder, like maybe we're not, you know, we're in a world where I think most of us do have to be mindful and measure how much we eat because it's too easy to get carried away. There's so many calorie rich foods and typically our lifestyles are much more dormant than they naturally should be. But I almost have thought about that, Blake, as like maybe, maybe I, um, like ideal for me would be not really having to worry or think about what I'm eating because I'm active and busy enough that it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And I think obviously my lifestyle right now is not catering to that, but that's something I've thought about is um, there's obviously like natural reasons that we would crave those calorie rich, salty, sweet, sugary type foods. But maybe it wouldn't be a problem if you were burning through it enough. I don't know.
2: Well, and historically, I mean, we would be walking from place to place. We weren't as sedentary as we are today, you know, like these yeah. hunter-gatherer tribes. But, yeah, I mean, you look at kids, right? You look at our guy Callum here. He's slender and probably doesn't think about what he eats all the time. Does you know, it just naturally zero regulates zero <laughs> with our activity. And I've thought a lot about this, but, you know, why do we lose that as we get older? Why do we go from our body naturally just we, we know when we're hungry we eat until we're full. We, we're we active. When we get hungry again, we eat again. Kids don't seem to abide by any schedule outside of what their parents put on them. But once we get older, we're so addicted to this thing of food. We're so structured when we're supposed to eat that we, our, we all tend towards obesity.
1: Our metabolism betrays us.
2: Well, that's not actually factual. Okay. Um, so if we're going to nerd out real quick, um, when we talk <laughs> ahead, about... Doctor. Because this is this is a, a qualm of Blake's. Uh, when we talk about our metabolism, there's a lot of things that make up our metabolism, right? There's our basal metabolic rate. That's just how much your body burns at rest without doing anything. That really doesn't change that much over your lifetime. Um, then there's your, your energy that you actually expend through activity, mm-hmm. you know? And, and that's what changes over our lifetime.
1: So the basal metabolic... Yes. Is that just like higher in some people? Are there like different? So what
2: they've seen in studies is it, it does vary some, but, but act, what happens is a lot of people subconsciously, like if, if you have someone that's really thin uh-huh. and you start to overfeed them, they will do things like constantly tap their foot or oh. or things that just add to more activity throughout the day. Without them even thinking about it, they're going to move a ton more. I, and uh, the inverse is also true. You know, as people are, are dieted down or different things, they start to move less, blink slower, etc. So our body will basically upregulate or downregulate to try and keep us within like this natural range for us um but yes it does vary some with our basal metabolic rate but what actually varies more is just that person's um, tendency to get up and move around after they eat um so Mm -hmm. a lot of really thin people are just wired to they don't sit still they do stuff all the time or they just they don't eat you know the skinny guy that lays around and plays video games all the time sure he might say i can eat whatever i want but then he'll go like four days with hardly eating anything and then he'll eat a whole domino's pizza again Mm. you know that's what i think about
0: that with carly like she she's always been pretty slender but she always seems like she's been able to pretty much eat what she wants and is not somebody that you would think to be like a real restrict she's not a restrictive or real picky eater but she keeps a good frame but i think that that's the back end you're you're describing is that like she maybe not even intentionally but like could
2: pretty easily eat a nice breakfast and then not turn around and eat again until dinner. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So my roommate, Evan, he, he's always been very thin and and his struggle is always been, I want to gain weight. I want to gain more muscle. And that's, he'll go through periods where he doesn't exercise, doesn't do anything, but he also, he'll go all day and he just doesn't eat. You know, he just, it doesn't, how we said, you know, we think about food or we, we struggle with quantity of food. The opposite is true in a lot of people's. They just, they don't think about food. They're not naturally hungry. They don't eat. Um, And so I know for a lot of people, that sounds like a dream, But, yeah, metabolism is a a widely misunderstood topic, and a lot of things are maybe genetic or feel like they're outside of our control, but much of what changes with our metabolism is largely dictated by our decrease in activity Mm -hmm. and continued, you know, habit formation around, I need to eat at certain times, more access to just crappy fast food and stuff. Um, But, yeah, it's, it's a complex beast. One thing that I
0: think about, too, that plays on my mind is, like, it's hard, to, it's hard for me to weigh in as much of like that long-term, you know, lifetime vision of the importance of the health and fitness. And I think more in terms of like the short-term where it's serving me. And so um, I just noticed like when I am in a desk-type role and there's, <clears throat> there's not really like a calling drive for being strong and being fit that's going to serve me in my current duties – or if i'm not training for a certain race that i'm going to need to to be physically fit to this certain level it's hard to it's hard to make those hard calls of forcing yourself to get up and do it you need some type of reason yeah i definitely do i think that's why it's benefited me in in the years to be an athlete and to set a goal of like a certain run that i'm going to do or just to put myself in a lifestyle where i have a a, a job or or a hobby or something that's going to regularly call upon me to be in good shape to like to to sustain that and not just to say well obviously in general like it's good for me to be fit yeah. and healthy you know you,
1: w- would you say you're a very like achievement based person
0: yeah that's probably that's probably a good short way to describe what i was saying yeah hmm. it's like that achievement goal based uh cause effect like straight lines kind of thing yeah,
1: yeah. i thought of Two other things, and you can tell me if one of them is an addiction or not. Uh, well, I definitely have an addiction to my phone at this point in my life, being a realtor. I think most people do. Well, yeah, yeah. I, most people. <laughs> it's like the alcohol thing. They, they probably say, like, if you spend more than 30 minutes on your phone a day, you're addicted.
2: I bet you, yeah. I don't know what the cutoff is, but if you look at most people's screen times, I would say by any sort of you know, DSM material, we're probably mostly addicted to our phones. Oh,
1: thousand 1,000%. Um, so, yeah, definitely addicted to my phone, and always trying to work on it trying to get better around the house of you know not having the phone at all during dinner i talked about going on walks in the morning trying not to bring my phone or if i do just like put it on silent just so i can call if i need to or whatever mm-hmm. um so i should probably like download an app and put like a, a, a screen time limit s- screen mm-hmm. time limit or apt you know app limits um mm-hmm and do that kind of thing um the other one and if you guys wanted to comment on that we can go back to it the other one uh, i don't know if you would call this an addiction but um just like people's i guess image Mm -hmm. um just always always wanting like people's image of of me to be a positive one and like when I was younger, I just wanted to be, like, a cool person. Um, now I want to be, like, a respected person. And I don't know if that would be an addiction. But anyway, it was something I thought of.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think the phone thing is definitely a widespread addiction. Um, out of curiosity, what is your guys' average screen time in a week when your phone gives a little notification?
1: I don't have an iPhone, so I don't think oh. I get that.
0: Oh. It would be more than
1: yours, I bet. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I will... Caveat and say that there's a fair amount of like work time that is on my screen time, but I'm absolutely with you, Shannon. I mean, I come and go in phases where it seems like you blink your eyes and you go, "Oh my gosh!" Like the last two weeks, I've just been hooked to this thing, mm-hmm. and I can't. Once, you, once you try to set it across the room for a day, and you th- and then you think about how many times you want to get up and check s- some silly thing. That's like a good. That's a good indicator for me. Like, all right, it's time to <laughs> revisit the relationship here. But I think the screen time average for me has been around an hour and a half a day or so. That's actually pretty good. That's I, tiny. Yeah, I think mine oh, is like really? two That's hours like on average day. Yeah. Oh,
1: really? I think mine would probably be about four times both yours.
0: <laughs> oh, oh yeah. my gosh. Well, again, yours is work-related, which I think yeah. it's kind of... Uh, we talked about like... Okay, if you had a food if you have a food addiction, that's hard because you cannot escape that, you know. Mm-hmm. The phone is the same way, especially if you're a realtor, is that Shannon, it's going to be an uphill battle for you to, to get that balance
2: because, like, your phone is your business. So, yeah,
0: yeah. I was going to see if I could.
2: There's a lot of, like, that. when I was working with kids in Young Life or, like, my little sister, whoever, a lot of high school kids, they're spending, like, six or eight hours a day on their phone. That's probably where I'm at. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, but I mean, and like Ryan said, not to justify your action or whatever, but there is an element of it is your business versus just purely we're Snapchatting yeah. each other and stuff nonstop. Well, yeah. a
1: lot of it for me, yeah, is a lot of work. It's a lot of
0: texting or emailing or, or or whatever it may be. Yeah. Um,
2: but how many times,
0: I'm just asking you because I know this in myself, how many times do I get up because I send somebody a text and you blink your eyes and you've been scrolling or something, you know? Yeah. It's yeah, like, yeah. boy, this is not what I grabbed this you, thing
1: like, for. You immediately get out of your text and you like hit Instagram real quick and then you're like scrolling and you're like, what am I doing? Well, you get bored yeah. on Instagram
2: so you go to Facebook and then you just you go to YouTube, then you go to yeah. Twitter. Then you, <laughs> exactly. Um,
1: a lot of it for me, though, is also I will play videos and not yeah. necessarily be giving my phone all that much attention. It's mo- mostly listening, almost like mm-hmm. a
0: podcast. So that accrues as well for my yeah. time. Um, for sure. But Well, I wanna go to the other one that you talked about, cause I think the phone one, maybe we all have different um, levels of realization of about what kind of grip it has on us, but I think there's definitely a good general consensus out there about screen time and and the balance that needs to be had and stuff. but. You touched on another really interesting one Shannon which you said was image, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you think do you think it's more about how you look or how people perceive you or where do you go with that?
1: How people perceive me. Yeah, I think for sure.
0: Yeah, and it's always been that. I I'm with you on that and I think I'm curious what you guys think cuz I think it's important. It's almost like a tribal necessity like human nature thing to have to like somewhat evaluate yourself against the greater community and how, where you land in those things, you know, agree or disagree. There are social hierarchies in the world and you have to, I think it's important for us to navigate where we belong and find a place within that. But I think there's definitely a problem we all have about worrying too much about what other people think and where we fit in. And, and, um, especially I'm guilty of this too. It was just like, there's, times where maybe you say and you do something and, and you have to ask yourself, is this more based on my personal values and beliefs or is this how I think that I will be portrayed if I act in this way? You know, mm-hmm. that's yeah. the, that's a good exercise to think through. Yeah.
2: yeah, I think you, you hit the nail on the head Ryan, when you said it is like, it's kind of survival based or, um, historically, you know, if, if your tribe didn't like you or you were ousted by your tribe, you know, you wouldn't survive. And so it is, we're hardwired for other people to want to like us Um, I think how much value you put in that is exactly that is your values. You know, um, everyone wants to be liked, everyone wants to be respected, et cetera. That's not a, I don't think that's an addiction. I think that's just human nature. Um, I think the addiction is how much do you put into that and how much do you let that dictate your life? Um, for myself, there was definitely a time in my life where I was more concerned with that than I am now, but I still, I mean, I want to be respected. I want to, but to, to me, I guess it's less about, I'm worried less about exactly how other people perceive me and more about my own character. You know, I, I think mm-hmm. if I can, and this goes back to the initial question of values, if I can envision the person I want to be and continue to live out those values, not everyone's going to like me. That's fine. But as long mm-hmm. as people know that I'm, I'm true to the things that matter to me, you know, my my faith... My family, my fitness, my friends, those things are important to me, and I'm going to defend those things to the death. yeah, um, and I'm okay with if people are opposition to me on that, that's just not my person. Yeah, I think that's, that's go ahead.
0: No, I, you're taking us right where my thoughts were, which is that you have to when you're trying to think about your image and where you fit in the world, you have to think about what is more important. Values that you carry forward and how you mm-hmm. act about on those or where you fit in the world in your image Because I think if you don't have some foundational You know moral values or beliefs that you say this is non-negotiable These are the things I stand by You, you have to have some of those structures in your mind before you move forward in the world um, Or else yeah maybe you know there might be times where you think Trying to fit in and belong to a certain group or to look good to a certain person, um, that may come in as a higher priority than your values, and then you may be shifting your belief system to accommodate where you think you're going to fit into whatever social structure you're evaluating. So,
1: and I think for a lot of people, during their life, their 30s is kind of where a lot of where they figure out a lot of that what they're what they're going to like hold, uh, you know, hold strong on with their beliefs and their values and their ethics. I yeah. feel like this is the time in our life where where we really get to like take a stand on on certain things and stop giving a crap about what you know certain people think about us i would say over the last five years i have grown quite a bit in that area from from where i was wanting every single person to like me and i don't know if it just comes with more life experience and you know going from college to being in the professional world getting married having kids you almost just, like, don't ha- even have the bandwidth anymore to, like, care mm-hmm. what a lot of people think, and uh, and you want to get more grounded in, in what you believe. Um, so, yeah, man. I'm speaking it for all of us. Are th-
2: <laughs> well, you can choose to have try and get everyone to like you, or you can choose to just really, really honor the people that matter. And I think over yeah. the course of your 20s going into your 30s, you start to realize who the people that matter are, and it's the people that reciprocate that. You know, who Definitely. is... Who is who loves me for me and is going to be there for me through thick and thin and I want to be there for that person I don't really give a rip about Jimmy that I go get plastered with on Friday nights because he's not there when the water gets bad
1: well and like you've said like the the five people around you what do you call it you are the
2: sum of the the people you spend the most time with yeah the five people you spend the most time with Exactly. So
1: I'm yeah. speaking
0: I'm speaking all of that over us for our thirties. It's <laughs> you're not there yet, Blake, but I, I love know. how don't we kinda got that back to this, but it, it's kinda like full circle from where we started this conversation actually about values and, and where those land and stuff. But I think you're right, Shannon. I, I don't know what the mix is of like age and time or just wisdom or, you know, your own like research into your personal beliefs and where those you stand. But I think me personally, yeah, definitely like in the earlier years and even through a lot of the twenties, it was like, you're still trying to kind of measure where you do fit in and where you do belong and what you, and
1: and what you believe and what your ethics are and your values. Yeah.
0: And maybe that is part of the normal trajectory of, of growing up because obviously up through your, at least your teens, you're being raised by your family and you have peers at school and stuff like that. But most of your values and your belief systems are probably being built into you as you're learning and growing. And then once you're getting into your twenties, maybe you're, maybe you're going through college, maybe you're starting in the working, uh, in the workplace, maybe you move out on your own. And so I think that that period is, at least for my experiences, like the twenties is a lot of that. Like, okay, I've sort of learned and grown. Now I'm seeing where I fit in. And now I'm starting to sort of take hold of my own, life a little more. And then you, you almost have a little bit of like the freedom to explore your own values and belief systems and sort of gauge where you land on that. And I think I'm with you that definitely over these last couple of few years, I feel a little more convicted in the things that I believe strongly in, more willing to um, not have confrontation, but be a little more assertive and not necessarily Complimentary in trying to appease and connect with every single person. I want to treat everybody with love and respect. And if there's certain conflicts of interest, it doesn't uh, it doesn't affect me as much that maybe some a person um, doesn't doesn't like me, I guess, if you want to put it that way. So yeah.
2: Yeah. to meet our quote of recommending at least one book per podcast, um, there's actually a book it's called The Defining Decade. It's all about how the decisions in your 20s shape the rest of your life. I've heard about this before. Um, yeah, it's by author Meg J is is the name. Um, really, really good book. But it just talks about um, a lot of the decisions we make in our 20s, and I, I think you know the the season of life that we're all in slightly different seasons. But we're through that that season of life where you've kind of decided your trajectory. At this point, you've kind of decided the trajectory of your life. But you're you're sitting on a foundation now of like how do I want to build the foundations of my life and raise my kids and love my spouse and my family and all of those things. And so, um, a lot of who you are, um, you've, you've done that work and now it's, how do I want to share that with the world? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Another
0: thing that's interesting is the mix of, you know, when you have families and children, um, that almost forces your hand a little bit to stand by what you believe in, because it's like, how are you going to demonstrate the best, the best way for that? I think for your children to um, embody the values that you want to instill in them is to live them on your own. And so you really have to exercise how strongly do I believe in this thing? Is it, um, am I convicted enough to make the sacrifice to, um, to not do certain things because I want to lead by example to, to exercise certain things? Is it, Is it little things like sitting around um, the table as a family? Honestly, like since we started having kids, we have sat together as a family at the dinner table much more often than than ever in my life. Mm -hmm. And so we've just um, decided that that's a value that matters to us. And the best way to portray that to our children is to, to live it and do it. And so that's good.
1: Yeah, that was good. Were you guys there at church when Jeff said, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, He said, if you want to raise a rebellious child, uh, live differently than you act at home. Mm. I thought that was really good. Mm. They don't know what to follow. Going off what what you said, Ryan. What They don't know what to follow at
0: that point, you know?
1: Well, exactly. Well, and they just see a hypocrite their whole life. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. Well,
0: any closing thoughts before we button up shop here today?
1: Go Ducks this week.
0: Go down. I don't I know when week. we're going to release this, but yeah.
1: organs in the Pac 12 Championship.
0: We just watched an awesome Civil War game. I hope not you guys. that awesome. <laughs> it was great, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. It was a little lopsided. <laughs> I guess it not much of a game. You. Yeah. Um, well, I hope you gentlemen had a wonderful Thanksgiving. If you're listening, I hope your holiday season is going well. Thanks for giving us the time, and um, we'll look to regroup and have some more conversations again here soon. Thanks, sir.